Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Edwin Porras. For those of you who can roll your R's at FB Injury Doc on Twitter. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to everybody who's been dropping the reviews. You guys are fantastic. You guys and girls are fantastic. Um, the five-star reviews are really helping the podcast grow. We, I really appreciate it. Um, the contest is still going on. If you take a five-star or give a, the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast a five-star review, screenshot it on Twitter, tag me at FB Injury Doc, then I will put you in the drawing for a free contest to win an injury analysis, a free injury analysis from me on any of your dynasty teams, your redraft teams, whatever. You can cash that in whenever. It's free. Just wanted to remind everybody that is still up for grabs. But thank you to everybody who has been dropping those reviews in, the five stars. Um, I really appreciate it. It really means a lot. Uh, it's not that hard. I promise If you, it takes like five seconds. Go to your Apple podcast. Go to the search bar. Type in Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. It'll pop up. Click on it. You tap the five-star review. You're done. Boom. 10 seconds. It takes uh, it takes longer to order a Starbucks coffee. So, also wanted to mention that as the medical analyst at fantasypoints.com, I'm going to be putting out an article that gives general COVID-related recommendations for fantasy football commissioners and fantasy football players alike. Um, I try to spell out everything that goes on, that, that all the rule changes that have gone on, what that means for IR slots, maybe expanded benches, what it means for injuries. That's all packed into this compact article that should be coming out within the next couple days. I also have um, a couple of interviews out with uh, Adam Harstad and Michael Florio coming down the pike on the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast, and then an interview with Dr. Gene Bramel. I'm so excited for that. It's going to be the COVID Part 2 part of the injury series. But today we're going to talk about Chris Carson, Todd Gurley, and ankle injuries. So let's start with ankle injuries. Ankle injuries are the worst. They account for a large chunk of all skill players, players in general, NFL players in general, um, injuries, and they suck. You can think of ankle injuries as two buckets. You can think of lateral ankle sprains, which is the low ankle sprains people like to call, and the high ankle sprains. The difference is the structures involved. Lateral means outside, right? So the ligaments on the outside of your foot and ankle they don't don't worry about them. they're called the calcaneofibular ligament and the anterior talofibular ligament don't worry about that they're ligaments on the outside of your ankle when you roll your ankle everybody's done that in the past right everybody's rolled their ankle when you roll your ankle those are the ligaments that are damaged in a lateral low ankle sprain okay so you overstretch those ligaments it's extremely painful you're more likely to 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 retwist or re-roll your ankle after it happens the first time and they suck and when it comes to NFL players we know that According to a 2013 study um, by Dr. Osbar and colleagues, that essentially um, p- players who sustained a lateral ankle sprain were able to come back on an average at six of 6.5 days. Um, you know, this is it, it's it's six and a half days doesn't sound like a lot. It's basically you know one week after this happens and they can come back. It means they miss, they don't even miss a week if they play Sunday and Sunday. But what matters is that clinically, which is just basically what, what is the equivalent of tape grinding. When we look at the numbers, like, so I guess it's not really tape grinding because we're looking at the numbers. When we look at the numbers, there's actually a 12% drop in production. Um, that was historical data taken from that. I took from 2016 to 2019. 
any player who rolled, you know, had an ankle injury, were on the injury report with an ankle injury, and then played the next week, they saw a 12% uh, dip in fantasy points. So that's, you know, that's I'd say that's a pretty good margin, 10%, 10 to 12%. The sample was, I believe, it's had, I think it was about 20. I have, I'd have to go back and look at the data. But it is, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not, un, it's not ironic that these players saw a production dip, right? Take Joe Mixon, for example, in 2019. He rolled his ankle, twisted his ankle, it was pretty nasty in week one. And then in week two, he saw uh, 55% of offensive snaps, carried the ball 11 times. Now, in contrast, the rest of the season, he averaged 62% of snaps and 17 carries per game. Now, could that have been for a given, you know, a bunch of different reasons? Did the Bengals give up on the season? Did they, you know, just give up at quarterback? The answer is yes to all of those. But it matters, right? That week he was not productive. And actually, Ethan Turner, shout out to Ethan Turner. I don't have his Twitter handle in front of me. I think it's E-Turner underscore uh, PT potentially. Uh, um, He actually hypothesizes that Joe Mixon's ankle was injured for the first several weeks, at least month of the season before he turned it around because of that week one injury. I'm not saying that's the case, but I also would not, I I believe that. Another thing we need to know is that there is a, there's only a 7% recurrence rate in lateral ankle sprains, but if, if players did re-sprain that same ankle, the recovery period jumped from 6.5 days to 13 days. So the last thing you need to know is that 40% of players with lateral ankle sprains were able to return to play one week after it happened. So to summarize all that, Lateral ankle sprains, extremely common. There's a 12% dip in fantasy production. Joe Mixon is a good example of that. If they re- if they re-sprain, which happens about 7% of the time, their recovery time goes from 6.5 days to 13 days. So basically from zero weeks to two weeks. Big jump. High ankle sprains. All right. These are a little more difficult to understand, to explain. So think of your, your two lower leg bones as goalposts. And in between those goalposts, uh, think about that net, the net that catches the, the the football when it's kicked. Kickers matter, okay? Just want everybody to remember that kickers do matter. So that net, imagine it stretches not behind the, the goalposts, but in front of it and then wraps around. That's what your syndesmosis is. A high ankle sprain is damage to that syndesmosis tissue. The reason those are extremely painful is because there's, it, first of all, it's a, it's a large chunk of tissue. And they take a long time to heal, right? Which is why they tend to linger. And then those tissues don't have a great blood supply. It's a whole deal. Now, commonly cited, this is where you need to listen. Commonly cited is the four to six week return recovery for, for players. Now, will some players come back at four to six weeks? Yes, of course they will. It's just a, just a law of averages. However, when it comes to actual NFL players, because those studies are done on non-NFL players, actual NFL players come back from a high ankle sprain at on an average at 15 days. So some people, some of them will come back at 14 days. Some of them will come back at 21 days, right? That's, that's what the rule of average is, but they average the mean return to return to sport, return to playtime for a high ankle sprain is 15 days. Let me repeat that. The mean return to play time for NFL players after a high ankle sprain is 15 days, right? So we saw Saquon Barkley come back, I think, after three or four weeks 
potentially. Uh, we saw Tevin Coleman. I think Tevin Coleman did come back after two weeks. The average is 15 days. So basically anywhere between two and four weeks is when they come back. Okay? Don't don't get it twisted. Can it be four to six weeks? Yes, absolutely. But this is actually good news because it's 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 a phenomenon that we've seen for whatever reason. We commonly cite four to six weeks, but these pro athletes hardly, hardly take that time. It's generally around 15 days. A more important thing to know about the same study that I just mentioned is that even though these players do come back at 15 days, there's a caveat. This 2013 study surveyed all 32 NFL head team physicians, and they all agreed that even though that these players come back at two weeks, they're still impaired, they're still hurt for up to four to six weeks. So that's where the four to six weeks matters is that if you're a DFS player, right? If you're a cash game player, if you're a high stakes player, whatever, that means that even if your player comes back from a high ankle sprain at 15 days, it does not mean you should be locked and loaded at 21 days, maybe not even 28 days, maybe not even 35 days. If you are looking for any edge that you that you can potentially find, it's going to be with these ankle sprains. So they further talked about this and they said that about 10, the physicians said that about 10 to 40% of ankle injuries persist for some length of time. So basically half of them. Just keep that in mind, okay? So those are ankle injuries. Let's move on to Chris Carson. This I'm going to try to keep this brief because uh, the bottom line is that there's not a lot of information on Chris Carson, okay? The bottom line is that Chris Carson is a guy who fractured his hip, didn't have surgery, and has had hip injuries in the past, but now is in a position with a muddled backfield and no data to support that he's going to be okay. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying Chris Carson cannot be good and be healthy and be durable. What I'm saying is that we know very little about the fracture. We know very little about the procedure that that any that will we know that he didn't have a procedure. We don't know the severity of it. We don't know the extent of it. We don't even have a refracture rate because hip injuries are less than 5% of all NFL injuries in the first place. And most of them are actually related to the groin. So there's a shroud of volatility surrounding Chris Carson. It doesn't mean he can't ball out. It doesn't mean he might not make it through 16 games. It just means that there is some volatility there. And that's what we need to understand about Chris Carson. Speaking of volatility is Todd Gurley, a guy that I don't understand why we're still talking about in 2020 after we talked ad nauseum about in 2019. I put out an entire article outlining what osteoarthritis is. Why is it damaging? Why is it chronic? Why is there no cure for it? And what does it mean? It means there's pain. It means there's inflammation. It means that it can be triggered by a hit to the knee. It means that his quad, even without pain, might not function properly. It means that it's it's constantly the knee's constantly inflamed, inflamed. The body can't regenerate the cartilage that's, that's damaged inside that knee. He has symptomatic osteoarthritis. This is a condition that does not go away, and it's what leads most people to eventually get a joint replacement if they have this for a long time. Can he get, can he be productive? Yes. Last year, I think he was RB fourteen in PPR leagues. Can he still, I mean, is he still going to get volume? Yeah, of course he's going to get volume. Look at that backfield. But the point here is that I don't, I don't really believe that the Falcons took him and said, we're going to run him into the ground. I think they saw him at a discount, paid him, 
and said, hey, we're not going to give you the full workload, but the work we do give you, we want you to ball out. That means that they might manage his load near the goal line. I mean, wasn't Tevin Coleman the like goal line and, and red zone? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not Hawk, not Maven. I'm looking for the word um, vulture. With Devontae Freeman, wasn't Tevin Coleman the vulture there? Anyway, Todd Gurley comes with volatility. His condition does not get better with time. It gets worse. It takes one hit to the knee for him to spiral. There's just so much surrounding him that I don't really understand the hype train here. Like, listen, I'm not saying he can't be like a flex guy, maybe an RB2, but the volatility is is undeniable. If you're comfortable taking him as your RB1 even, maybe like zero RB type style, maybe hybrid, I don't know. Then, I mean, good luck. Hopefully it'll work out. I hope I'm wrong. I'm not saying that I want to be right. But last year, the ultimately the outcome that I said could have happened, um, one of the outcomes I lined out was he plays most of the games. We don't really know what's going on. He seems to be a shell of himself, and he's just dealing with this condition, and that seems to be what happened. His efficiency was awful. Even even missed me with the offensive line play. All of his his numbers, if you look at player profile, any efficiency stat that you can see, yards created, missed, you know, juke rate, whatever you want to use at player profile. Shout out Fantasy Mansion. Any of those efficiency stats were tanked in 2019 compared to 2018 for Todd Gurley. So I don't understand the hype. Guys, can he be good? I, yes, he can be. Will he ever go back to 2018 Todd Gurley? I don't think so. I simply don't think so. It's not, it doesn't seem to be in the cards. I think that his absolute ceiling is maybe RB15? I just don't know. Okay? That's what I'm saying. The last thing I want to talk about is something that is very pressing. I think that it should be discussed and given some dignity. It's something that is very near and dear to my heart that I struggle with on a daily basis. And I'm, of course, mean picking where your significant other and you are going to eat. I think this is really a situation that comes down to narrative, right? I think like a lot of things, this comes down to narrative. For example, when I say I'm driving down, down the highway, let's say, and I say to my wife, you know, we haven't eaten in a few hours. We should stop. This is going to be the last stop for a while. And I say, what would you like to eat? And she says, I don't know. You pick. I automatically know I'm trapped. I don't know where to pick. I try to tell her that it's, it's, she should be the one to pick. I try to give her the gentleman card and say, no, 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 babe. This is, this is on you. This is for you. You know, I want you to pick where you want to eat and cause you don't want to be in the, on the hook, right? Inevitably she says, I don't know. I start giving options. Option one, option two, option three. And what happens? Well, eventually she says, well, I don't really want option one. Okay. Scratch it off the list. Okay, well, and I don't really want option two either. Great. Let's go with option three. Uh, I don't really, really want option three that much either. So what do we do? Throw our hands up. Okay, fine. Let's go option four. She says, okay, I don't care. You pick. That's fine. I don't care. And I don't care. And you know that's when you're lost. That's when you've lost the battle when, when you get the I don't care. Pull over to the side of the road. You don't care. You're... 
if you fall into my demographic, if you're a dumb guy like me, I don't think about it any further. I'm hungry. I want to eat something. I stop at option four. Get to option four. Hey, what do you want? I don't know. I'm not really hungry. When she just told you she was hungry like five miles back. You chose option four, you moron. She wanted option one, two, or three. Those were fine. You picked option four for whatever reason. I'm mainly talking to myself at this point. But options one, two, and three that you presented, any of those probably would have been great, but you chose option four like a nimrod. Okay? My wife controls the narrative in this aspect of my life. I can do as many statistical analysis and regression, you know, regression analysis as I want. I can expand the sample size, use projection models. I will never understand why she can never pick between options one, two, and three. My theory here, and this is absolute theory, this hypothesis, is that she just, you know, wants me to show her that I know what she w- would like. I presented three decent options, and it's, it's up to me to decide. And that's fair. The problem is I always pick the wrong one because, again, I'm, I'm a moron. But it also is, is imagine being in the car with my, this, this is what I deal with, my wife and my brother-in-law. And they're both the exact same way. They'll say, well, I don't want this. I don't want that. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give suggestions. I'll say, fine, let's just go here. And they'll be like, no, I don't really want to go there. But I'm like, I gave you three options. The reality is, I think that she knows what she doesn't want. And I know what she doesn't want. And in the end, I still pick something that she doesn't want because I'm an idiot. Anyway, that, I really wanted to discuss that to get it off my chest. It was really weighing heavy on my heart, weighing heavy on my mind. Um, thanks again for listening. Make sure to leave a review, please. Uh, rate. You don't even have to review. You can just rate, please. Go to the Apple Podcast, type in Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast, click on it, hit the five stars, follow me on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. Be on the lookout for my fantasypoints.com article on COVID related recommendations. Subscribe. You get these, I get the, I put these out at weird times. If you subscribe, you'll get them almost immediately. If you don't subscribe and you just search for it, they don't show up. I don't know why. It's a quirk of Apple, Apple's quirk. Just, uh, yeah, just please. Subscribe, rate, review, follow me on Twitter at FB Injury Doc. Let me know if you have any questions. I hope this was helpful.